Cheers. Welcome to Culture Night. Where each week we drink fancy wine and watch movies that are in some way culturally significant. I'm Andrew. And I'm Sarah. And we are back for season three, episode eight. This Mm -hmm. one has uh, added up quickly. Yeah. We're adding in one more week than we originally planned. So we'll get... This is not really a bonus episode, but another musical for the season. Yeah, it's it feels like a bonus in my mind because we were not fully expecting it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this is something that's like a sneaky surprise mm-hmm. is in the musical categories, but we'll get there. Yeah. Um, any podcast business today? Nope. Nope. All right, let's hop right into what are we drinking tonight? Tonight we are drinking the 2019 James Gang Reserve Primitivo from Tobin James. This is Primitivo number three or four, so we've... I feel like it's a good steak one. I was going to say, I, I didn't know if I like pushed that to see if you'd say it again, but... Oh, and it pairs well with steak, so let's, let's give bad. it a little sniff. Too bad we didn't like plan ahead and have steak for dinner tonight. Mm, then we, we could have really definitively mm-hmm. known. Nothing really jumps out to me on this. See a little berry on there? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's getting to the point where I almost like smell the season of show we were on the last time we had primitivo Mm -hmm. like i get some film noir vibes from this (laughs) (laughs) like a good juicy steak maybe (laughs) all right let's let's taste it very berry a lot going on on the on the first taste Mm -hmm. not an alcohol forward um Mm -hmm. a lot of flavor right off the bat but i don't really know how to it, it almost tastes like a gusher like that, oh, yeah. that sweetness. Yeah. I oh my that. gosh. Did I get one? Did yeah. I get like a taste? Mm-hmm. There also some cinnamon there too. I just, a little bit. I just smelled a lot of artificial cinnamon mm-hmm. candles today and that that's not what I, what I taste. Factories. Yeah. But yeah, that gusher, that almost like the chewiness of the gummy. This is obviously not chewy wine, but mm-hmm. that texture. You know, I get that right off the bat. And then after I swallow, I get like a little bit of like big red. <laughs> not quite that intense, but like, you know. A big red you after you've that, been chewing on for 10 minutes. Like do you that think much, that flavor. We should be considered professional sommeliers at this point. <laughs> well, go ahead and email Tobin James say, here, we got some tasting notes. You can put out the print on the back of your wine bottles. Do you guys need help with your labels? We got Taste of gusher and big, <laughs> chewed big red. Chewed big red. <laughs> oh, oh, sales man. go through the roof. It is It is good. I like it. Um, yeah, this has just the really generic uh, mm-hmm. back on it. So nothing, nothing really from the wine description. Uh, to give us when we get our next shipment any cheat sheets we're gonna pull that piece out Mm -hmm. the like paper that comes with it and we will start reading that either before or on the show yeah i think read it right after we taste ours Mm -hmm. oh yeah still taste that because i I still like our unadulterated um raw taste notes of oh yeah oh 100 (laughs) percent. you you can't be swayed not the traditional wine tasting notes I, i always like if the wine drips down the bottle a little bit i always like Mm-hmm. I wipe it off with my finger and taste it. And I'm always like, oh no, this is going to ruin what I say on the podcast. It. And it's like one single drop that just tastes pretty much like plain red wine when you're drinking mm-hmm. it or not even drinking it, kind of tasting it from over there that it never. We try to be me. so pure. This is a, a, an authentic podcast here. Um, All right. So I guess now is the time to go behind the screens. Where each week we go behind the big screens of Hollywood and explore some aspect of film production or storytelling. Take it away. So this week we are uh, diving into Cinemascope, which was mentioned last week in Hairspray as kind of an insult, honestly. Um, So with Cinemascope, I'd heard about it before, and I think we maybe mentioned it when we were doing our behind the screens on Cinerama, because this was a technology meant to- With Tadeo. Yeah, the Tadeo deep dive. 
where you mentioned Cinerama, Cinerama, CinemaScope was also something designed to compete with Cinerama, which, as you recall, is took like multiple cameras to make a really wide image. Mm-hmm. So a bunch of movie uh, film producing studios were trying to find a way to replicate that same thing without all the overhead. And the reason they were all trying to do this was because film was kind of dying down with the release of television. And so cinemas wanted something that you couldn't get on a TV. So they were exploring this super wide, breathtaking aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. So the cinema, uh, Cinerama, or sorry, Cinemascope, was designed to have a single lens, and its benefit over Cinerama was also that it could be retrofitted to existing theaters by kind of putting a little like lens adapter on the existing movie theater screens. Oh. So it was filmed by basically really com- um, squeezing it down or stretching it out, I guess, really wide. And then when you put the lens on it, kind of getting it back to where mm-hmm. it, it should be. So it was kind of taking advantage of you know a little bit of physics there to kind of warp it and then unwarp it um, afterwards. Mm-hmm. So the process is credited by, or Sp- Spiros P. Skoros is credited as the inventor of, yeah, he's a very <laughs> Greek guy. Yeah. The inventor of it in 1953. However, he was the president or head of 20th Century Fox. So I don't know how much inventing he was doing while he was, you know, running 20th Century Fox. Yeah, I'll be a little skeptical on that. And, you know, things in the 50s yeah. were, were very His name was shady. on some funding there for sure. But it goes back even further to, I'm probably butchering this, Henri Crichton, maybe? Henry, who knows? I wouldn't I. even begin. I would definitely go with the Henri, but the yeah. last name, I don't even know. There's, a, there's one of those fancy little uh, carrots on top of yeah. the E in his last name. So he was a, an astronomer who in 19, and, uh, sorry, an astronomer and an inventor. And in 1926, he invented what he called the anamorphoscope process, which used a tool called hypergonars. I have no idea how you're supposed to actually pronounce that. Science, math. Yeah, which essentially was well, the process for this cinemascope and he presented it to a bunch of film studios at the time but this was in the like 20s so film was still on on top of it didn't really need to change anything they were still printing money essentially so he basically got got no uh bites on that however when spiros was trying to replicate this cinema cinerama process uh in a more simple way one of his assistants remembered having read about this guy Mm -hmm. so they tracked him down and found out that his patent had actually expired by that time shady so they went ahead and actually bought up all of his existing inventions the hyper gonars whatever that he had and set about actually producing more of them and they, and they enlisted uh bosch and lom to actually mass produce these things so they could actually get them out to all their, their studios and they got to work uh producing i guess technically three movies at, or two movies at the same time the robe and how to marry a millionaire so the robe was the first one that was, it was started on but it was such a long movie that it actually finished up uh, pr- production after How to Marry a Millionaire, but they held off, held off the release of How to Marry a Millionaire because the robe had been kind of marketed as being the first one mm-hmm. as having this, this this process. So they were trying to produce a whole lot of movies. And they had a whole bunch, you know, kind of going on in the background, really p- pushing this forward so they had an advantage over these other uh, cinemas or uh, other film, film production companies. And they also 
licensed the technology later to Disney who used it to produce Lady and the Tramp, which kind of interesting thing about making an animated movie using these film lenses, mm-hmm. but I guess they had to kind of do that and now it all, it's all digital, but yeah. But I mean, seeing this, it's like, of course, Disney has its hands mm-hmm. in everything, but I think they kind of partnered with Disney on this because Disney had created the, like some stereoscopic sound for Fantasia mm-hmm. in the fifties. And they really wanted it. They were doing this whole cinemascope technology thing they needed to pair it with some really good audio too so i think it was kind of like a partnership deal there where it's like you can use our visual part if we can use your audio part so and that sounds similar to what it was with technicolor too is like you know we'll promote like if we get the rights we Mm -hmm. will promote this and like get our stuff out there we're producing stuff Mm -hmm. so quickly it seems like they want to be mutually beneficial with all their relationships yeah and funny enough this was actually processed uh using eastman color well, sorry, they used Eastman color, which I don't know what it is. I want to do another deep dive on that, maybe. Uh, the, the deep dives keep coming. It says it was used Eastman color, I guess, to shoot it, but was processed by Technicolor still. So I don't really know what that means, but I do know the Technicolor was still, this wasn't a replacement for that mm-hmm. by, by any means. It was a different uh, part of the filmmaking process entirely. Mm-hmm. And uh, back to the audio part of it. So originally the visual was going to be an aspect ratio of 2 to 66 to 1. But because they had it to make the film strip a narrower to add these stereoscopic soundtracks, they're originally going to film it actually silently and then um, use a separate recording film to actually get all the audio. But they were able to get it all on the same strip by moving it down to 255 to 1. So not quite as wide, but still much wider than the general film at the time. And I guess wrapping up my, my research, it... It was obviously really breathtaking and really like good visual experience. They were able to roll it out to theaters like nationwide. So it got a lot of, you know, good... Uh, publicity exposure from all that but it really struggled with certain things like it was great for movies like big war movies where you have these you know see these vast armies or vast landscapes on these things but when they were trying to film things that were close up that didn't fully de-squeeze it so it kind of still looked kind of warped for things that were close up so Mm -hmm. it was really hard to kind of shoot around those things and made it not very practical to film just everything with it and so eventually it was succeeded by Panavision which I also look yes. forward to, to exploring in another. Yeah, I feel like later. those are there's like a bunch of words out there that I know are associated with mm-hmm. films. Yeah, you see and, in the opening credits all the time. And you're like, like oh yeah, that's a thing. But I don't know. I have, have any clue what they mean. So yeah, I started going down researching that and I was like, I need to actually draw a line somewhere. I can't, I can't <laughs> yeah. just, you know, put all of film history in this mm-hmm. in, in one episode. So I'm excited to uh, look into this Eastman color and Panavision. We need like to start a list of these behind the screens things as, mm-hmm. as we pick up terms and what yeah. we need to expand on and give us a place to go for when yeah. we don't know how so anything. It's to go definitely for. fascinating learning about all those, those processes and just how the, some of these things were invented. And, and thinking and, that and like the, this, this was the fifties or the twenties when all these different things were invented and just how much technology has progressed from there that just thinking, you know, how hard it must've been to figure these things out without all of the stuff that we have now. And it's and, wild. And it's crazy. This thing invented in the in 1926 was then really used heavily in 1953, like almost 20 years later that nowadays think of technology from 20 years ago and just how dated anything would really seem that mm-hmm. it, it's kind of crazy how that was still CGI from possible. 2000. Mm-hmm. Yikes. That it's, it's wild how that was still able to be useful later on in this, you know, guy who remembered some story about some inventor who created this thing. They were able to pull it all together and it became cinemascope. Interesting. Well, after having listened to and watched hairspray a gajillion times in the last almost 20 years, mm-hmm. thank you for, solving what cinemascope is for me yes. so i'm assuming they were she was making the the rude joke saying that she was so wide that she wouldn't be able to be captured on regular film would have to be captured with cinemascope yes 
those Von Tessel girls, man. Mean. Mean girls, mean girls everywhere. All right. So now you're ready to jump into Slept On It, speaking of hairspray? Yeah. So does your rating change after sleeping on it? Last week, you rated hairspray a 6.1 and I rated it a 7. Yeah, I think a 6.1. I was wondering whether or not I'd be singing more of the songs or wanting to listen to more of them. And they were good in the time. I don't think they really grew on me more. So I think I'm good with my my 6.1. Yeah, I feel pretty good with my 7. I will say I was listening to the soundtrack while we were setting all this stuff up down here before we uh, got started. And, oh, man, it's a such a hype soundtrack. I mean, sometimes you got to need a little energy boost before we jump into these podcasts that mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed dancing around a little bit. Dance party. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a soundtrack that I'd have, or it's a soundtrack that I think I would enjoy if I'd seen the movie multiple times mm-hmm. and oh, wait, you, you want to watch it again. That's crazy. I watching it with your, your friends and kind of all getting to watch it several times over a couple of weeks, probably really ingrained that into you mm-hmm. watching it just one time. It, it's, it wasn't as catchy as some movies I think that we've seen. I appreciate that. I know. I've said many times, it is really hard for me to get into a movie or a soundtrack the first time. I need to hear it many, many times before I can be like, okay, I kind of see where people are mm-hmm. going for, what people are all excited about. It just so. makes it more familiar and which makes you enjoy yeah. it more. Well, I'll continue to play the songs around the house and hopefully you will start to love it as much as me. Go for it. All right. So now it is time for my deep dives, shallow dives, fun facts. One day we'll get a, a better mm-hmm. name for it, but. Um, I just looked into some of the fun stuff from behind the scenes. And uh, one of the first things I found was that apparently John Travolta was very kind and welcoming on set, which I feel like is a kind of a big pivot from what we were reading from Greece is that he was kind of like a drama or a little bit of a diva. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I want this song and I'll do this. Like just seemed like he kind of had grown a little bit more as a person, as an actor. And definitely much later in his career. And I think also playing a more motherly character, maybe, he was yeah. method acting there. Apparently the first time he met Nikki Blonsky, who played Tracy, uh, she was like super nervous and kind of, she said it was the first time that she'd ever been um, like speechless in her life. Mm-hmm. And he just looked at her and said, come to mama and like gave her a big <laughs> hug. And so I think he was excited about this role. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely, I think as an actor, you kind of get tired of doing the same things over and again, that doing obviously playing a woman and mm-hmm. all the dancing and singing and stuff um, in a fat suit had to be a challenge mm-hmm. and a lot of fun for him. And speaking of the costume for Edna Turnblad, it apparently took John Travolta four hours to get into that costume every time. It, the suit w- uh, weighed about 30 pounds, and he also had to have five gel-filled silicone face prosthetics added to his face. So See, I thought that the face prosthetics looked the worst out of everything, really, maybe because I just knew it was John Travolta. I thought some of the parts on like his arms and legs didn't seem as fake as I thought they mm-hmm. would just knowing that he was in a fat suit. Yeah. I feel like every, I mean, again, I've seen this a gajillion times, but every time I always kind of like, can you tell where it, like, I, I feel like yeah. I'm always looking for it. Um, but also I read somewhere else too, that apparently once he got in the suit, it was so hot that they just had to like shoot, 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 because mm-hmm. they would, and they would like stick air conditioners under the dress to like help vent him a little bit. But it was just this like really hot and heavy suit that I, I can't, I, with all the dancing that they have to do, I can't imagine mm-hmm. having to do it in something like that. You wonder that. how much actual screen time he really had and how many days of shooting in that suit he had to do. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there was so much like rehearsal without the suit, but then mm-hmm. I also feel like you kind of got to rehearse in the suit too because going from just dancing around to then add 30 pounds to yourself and it's not like he's just kind of swaying in the background. He's, and especially in that last number, he's really mm-hmm. dancing and welcome to the 60s. He's got some big dance numbers. So Yeah, I wonder if it's a, if he wanted to get them all out of the way up front or if he was like, let's go ahead and film one day and then give me a week and then we're going to do the ne- my next yeah. scenes. Yeah, I think I would need a break if it were me. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, my next note is, you know, on the note of dance numbers and things, it is, I've read this many times over the years that it is commonly re- referred to, the last song's called You Can't Stop the Beat, but the cast members call it You Can't Stop to Breathe because it's so fast paced and the lyrics are so quick mm-hmm. that, you know, it, and every time I've always tried to sing it in the car, I'm like, oh no, I got this. And then by the end, I'm like, okay, I get it. It's, <laughs> there's a lot of words in this song, but apparently Queen Latifah had no problem with it because she's a rapper and mm-hmm. that kind of fast paced singing is in her mm-hmm. repertoire. A lot of practice. Mm-hmm. And then on the note of Queen Latifah, everything, we've got a bunch of connecting things here. Um, apparently, Aretha Franklin wanted to play the role of Motormouth Maybell, and Queen Latifah beat her for the part. So wow. that could have been the, I mean, Queen Latifah is obviously mm-hmm. a legend in her own right too, but Aretha, Frank, Aretha Franklin could have stepped in and played that mm-hmm. role too, which would have been, I think, a much different yeah, very, very different version of Maybell. I I don't really know how to take that, but and I feel like this was the real peak of Queen Latifah's years, where she was in. I mean, Chicago in this. She had all of her years, own yeah. movies. Yeah, she was big time. My next note is um, apparently Amanda Bynes ate about forty lollipops every day on set because her, her character always has one in her in her mouth, and mm-hmm. apparently her dad is a dentist. And was very concerned and was like, you can't be eating this many lollipops. You're going to mm-hmm. ruin your teeth. And she's like, oh, no, I'm I'm not eating all of them. It's just like pretend. But she apparently actually consumed all of them. I, I guess after a c- couple of them, though, wouldn't you get tired of them and just say, give me someone that's like plastic, that's a prop? I Honestly, watching it, I was like, that has to have been plastic. I've, mm-hmm. And I just imagine I can feel like almost Sticky. like that, that fuzzy slippers feeling on your teeth when you've had something like really sweet mm-hmm. and sugary that I just, you know, one or two, sure, mm-hmm. but... I can't imagine. You get sticky like your hands, your mouth would just be Mm -hmm. annoying after several days. Yeah. So good on you, Amanda Bynes. And then my last note is that there was several cameos in this. I don't know if I pointed any of them out while we were watching, but um, John Waters, he wrote the, wrote, directed, starred and produced the original Hairspray in 1988. And he plays the flasher who lives next door in the opening Uh. song. And then at the end, when they have the judges for the Miss Hairspray contest, Ricky Lake, who was the original Tracy Turnblad, Turnblad mm-hmm. is one of the judges. And Adam Shankman was one of the choreographers for the movie. So he and Ricky Lake were little judges in the audience during Miss uh, Hairspray. So cool. um, I, I think I knew about the John Waters one before I ever saw it for the first time. But mm-hmm. then after I'd seen, I, I think I recognized Adam Shankman because he was a choreographer on So You Think You Can Dance, which was super popular back in 2007. Mm-hmm. So I'd seen and heard of him before. Say, most choreographers you don't really know by sight. Mm-hmm. I will say watching So You Think You Can Dance for many, many years back in the early 2000 days, I got to know a handful of choreographers that every once in a while I'll see one and be like, I actually know who that is. And that's a pretty obscure thing to know. Did you practice your dance moves or learn, learn the dance moves from them? Like the girls did in hairspray watching the TV? No, absolutely <laughs> not. I never did that. <laughs> that's false. I was big into dancing. I was not, I'm not a dancer by any right, but I, there's all these musicals were so popular and like the shows mm-hmm. about dancing and stuff. I just was part of the time dance in front of the TV. Hey, it was a great exercise. Let mm-hmm. me tell you. So those are my fun facts. It was also really hard for me to find things that were behind the scenes, like fun facts, because I know so much about this movie that I was like, oh, everybody knows this. And I was like, no, <laughs> nobody actually knows this. You just know too much. So it was a lot of fun. I'm kind of sad to close the door on Hairspray because I just love it so much, but well, it's okay. You can always go back and watch it again. I guarantee you I will. So now it's time to move into tonight's movie. What are we watching? Tonight we are watching Once from 2007. Just like last week. We're staying in the same year. Yep, same exact year. So top three movies being Spider-Man 3. Oh, sorry. First of all, what's it rated? Um, it is rated R. I will say that surprised me. 
mm-hmm. when I was Googling it. I, I think so many of these musicals have been like PG, PG-13 mm-hmm. that I was very caught off guard by the R Yeah, I wonder why. I remember that being, spoiler alert, I have seen it before. Um, any like cussing or nudity or anything violent in there mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm really interested to see why it's rated R. Yes. Um, spoiler alert. I think I've seen it once. I think I watched it with you one time mm-hmm. very early on when we started dating. I don't remember anything crazy. I don't really remember anything about what the movie is. I remember seeing it, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Yeah. So we'll have to we'll look for that. Watching for things mm-hmm. that I think might have caused that reading. Yeah. And so now we can go yeah, <laughs> into our time into the, the time, time machine. machine. Back to 2007, which is the same year as last week. So if you want to hear more, you can go watch last week's episode with, with Hairspray and see the top three movies were Spider-Man 3, Shrek the Third, and Transformers. And the top three songs were Irreplaceable by Beyonce, Umbrella by Rihanna featuring Jay-Z, and The Sweet Escape by Gwen Stefani featuring Akon. We've already answered this before, but have you seen it before? I believe so. I'm like 80% sure that I've seen it before. I have seen it max three times. I feel like I haven't seen it in 10 years or so, but you said we've seen it together, which means it's been less than that. And... I, it's obviously been at least what the seven. I mean, I was going to say it probably was eight ish years ago, eight and a half years ago. So it's been a minute. Um, and I do remember the general plot line, but I remember like maybe five minutes worth of it and it's an over an hour and a half movie. So I am interested to see like what I don't remember. And I do know that I loved the soundtrack and downloaded it and listened to it all the time. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited to hear all the songs again. Yeah, I know I'm definitely familiar with like one or two of the songs for sure, but I, I'm i not super familiar with this one. So I'm excited because I feel like we've been kind of on a roll for the last couple of weeks of me being mm-hmm. relatively familiar with most of the musicals. So I'm excited to jump in and see this one again. Yeah, and I do have some things that I, I want to um, go over after we've seen the movie and it's okay. what you went on because I don't want to tar- tarnish your viewing of it, but I do want to, um, I've got some fun facts for afterwards. Oh, I love it. I'm, so, glad, I'm glad that, that, so I feel like I've taken off my, like, I know everything about this movie or a lot mm-hmm. about this movie and given it to you and. We're trading our 2007 films. Yes, I love it. All right, so ready to jump in? Let's watch Once. once. Cheers. Cheers. Once. Mm-hmm. Not the once time that we've watched it, but <laughs> never That like hurts me movie. how terrible that was. I'm really sorry to anybody that had to hear that. I, I really was feel like we didn't acknowledge the pun when we mentioned that we had seen it before. We should said, yeah, I've seen it once or twice before, before the break, but. You are really leaning into those dad jokes. Yeah, I just think there's a lot to be said with once. All right. Anyways. Bring it on. Bring it on. Well, no, no, no. Let's it's jump into the wine scale. Wine scale. Wine scale is a zero to 10 scale. 10 being the best thing in ever. Zero, not necessarily meaning the worst wine ever because the wines that we drink are very good wines. So a low score does not necessarily mean a good or that it means a low score does not mean that it is a bad wine. I was literally just about to be like, I love listening to you say the exact same thing every week. It's, it's so great. Always and then you different. Just- you have to say it's the same thing. I say it's different every time. It's, it's, it's 88% the it's same. Winged, wonged. It's you wonged. You wonged it? I wonged it. <laughs> you sound like our kid. <laughs> <laughs> I wing it every time. So that being said, all that being said, I rate this one a 4.2. I give it a five and a half. 
Again, I was trying with the eyes to like will you to give the same score as me. And well, I was afraid both gave it like what the six point one that I gave it and whatever I gave the last primitivo. I feel like we were very consistent. With I do feel like we were ones. consistent. I didn't look it up because yeah. I didn't want to be swayed by my score. There just wasn't much going on. Like we noticed the um, original hit of the uh, gusher flavor and the yes. big red flavor, and it didn't really uh, evolve or advance. Um, it was fine. You know, like I said, a bad score or low score doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad wine. It just didn't really, you know, blow my mind or have anything crazy that developed as I drank it. I will say on my first sip, I was like, okay, it's going to be like a four something. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, it was just good. Yeah. And I I didn't hate it. I didn't dislike it. It just, if, if it evolved into something more where I was like, this felt really pretty steady to me. So. Mm-hmm. Be a Five great, and a half felt great good. wine to have on Five hand, and a half felt good. but it's not something to like write home about, but still overall a good wine. Yes. Cheers, Tobin James. We are not here overselling things until we get a sponsor, in which case we will sell, say everything is, is a 10 best wine. In <laughs> fact, if you're not drinking it, you are like dying by not drinking it. It's literally killing you to not have this, but until we have a sponsor, everything is going to get a very accurate score. Yes. But even when we have a sponsor, we'll still be accurate because we'll we are, best. we are us. Yes. We have integrity. We do. Do. Um, moving on to the movie rating out of 10. My score, it fluctuated throughout the whole thing. I would like to hear your musical categories that you rate things on. Yes. So, because I feel like that will help lock in my score. Generally, have my four criteria. Um, one being how, like, first of all, how much did I enjoy it? Um, how, Trevor, right? My four, it's different from musical versus other ones. Uh, whether or not I like the the soundtrack, how likely am I to go back and like listen to the soundtrack again? Um, the second one, the third one being um, if I'm how likely am I to, to rewatch it, and how likely am I to if it's on to pick it up and watch it? I don't think once is generally on like most channels, but you, you kind of get the gist. It wasn't a big blockbuster hit. I mean, what? it kind of was. It won awards, but it wasn't necessarily on mainstream TV channels. I think all the time. Uh, so th- like the, the big difference between that and my general movie rating score is the soundtrack versus just overall how rewatchable and quotable. Yeah, quotable it is. So I, uh, I freaking love the soundtrack. That is a huge puller upper for me for the score. I yeah. love the terminology we're using. It's this scientific. Week. It's great. Yeah. Keep movie, going. It's, we'll do it. We'll do it behind the screens on that terminology someday. It, uh, it definitely like carries it a whole lot. Um, but I will let you go first for your score. <sighs> It's it's so hard because, like I said, I've been I've been swaying back and forth between like a point and a half worth of score, and I will give it a six point one. I am going with a six point six. It. I I was close. I think that was the upper limit. I think it was between a five point one and a six point. There is an asterisk. Was my wing. There is an asterisk. It's technically a 7.1, but I'm docking it half a point for reasons I will get into later. Okay. I can't wait to hear your reasons. Well, do we need to get into our, our scores now or are we going to talk about it more as we go through? Um, I mean, I just really overall, I love the soundtrack. Like I said, it's a huge boost for it. The movie itself, like, you know, was good, very artsy. Um, some kind of, lacked a bit of cohesion in the first, like, several minutes, but then kind of settled into its storyline later. Um, I, I would love to rewatch the first half of it much more than I would the second half. It was kind of cool in the second half, but much more loved the movie aspect of the first half. But I just kind of really love the soundtrack is a huge, huge boost for, for me. Yeah, I kind of feel like I want 
to watch this again in the next like month or two. Mm-hmm. Obviously not for Culture Night, but I it's been we've definitely seen it before. Mm-hmm. Watching it, once, I, you say we've seen it once. Once or twice. Oh, God, this is me a long next <laughs> second half of this podcast. Um, <laughs> they really I, need to have you, a you and I have twice. seen it. <laughs> God, I wish I didn't give that one to you. <laughs> I wish I didn't laugh. I have to bring it in. Uh, um, I, we have definitely seen it together. I don't think I saw it before you. It is very familiar. I didn't know it that well that I would like to watch it again to appreciate a little bit more of the nuance of the story. Um, I I did, I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. And I didn't think I was going to dislike it, but it just, Mm -hmm. it was, this was another one where it just kind of left me with that little like hug, warm, Mm -hmm. cozy feeling. It doesn't have that like perfect cookie cutter ending Mm -hmm. that you want, but it's still just like, but I think the whole like non cookie cutter ending totally fits the artsy vibe of this, where it's not exactly like you expect from a regular love story it's the artsy aspect of this that really pulled it up for me Mm -hmm. of how like how much this is one of my notes how much a hard pivot this is from the the hairsprays and the chicago and the rent that are like great but like very hollywood very overproduced Mm -hmm. and beautiful and amazing but this was just so raw and like artsy and i don't and it felt so real like Mm-hmm. Zach Efron is not every day run of the mill, run on the side of the street playing his guitar kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Like this just felt so like it felt a lot more authentic European than mm-hmm. oh, for American sure. like Hollywood style. It did have a little bit of that love actually vibe to it too, right? And like skins, you know, like the, the the really like UK where mm-hmm. the dialogue just feels so much more real. Mm-hmm. It's not polished. It's not perfect. Yeah. It's not exactly what you ex- like. What you want the person to say. Yeah. It is just what what this actual person mm-hmm. would say. It's like polished, rehearsed, mm-hmm. or scripted. Like it feels very much more natural and yeah. real. I felt like watching this. It was just like buzzwords popping into my head. Mm-hmm. Raw, authentic, polished. Like mm-hmm. unpolished, unpolished compared to and the like they're not things actors. We've seen. The the main characters, mm-hmm. at least that it seemed like it really played into their strengths by not making it seem too polished. It didn't seem as forced. It set felt a lot more like it was just people talking. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they don't have names. The mm-hmm. main characters are guy and girl is mm-hmm. what they're credited as. And I just, I, there's just something that is just so like pure about mm-hmm. it. And I mean, that's just really what pushes it up yeah. to the six for me. Because I, I think like as a musical in what you think of as a musical, it's like a five for me, maybe but I think this story and how it was shown or captured visually and how it was told and the characters and just so much of it was just so like beautifully done. I just always just love movies and shows where you have a relatively main character at least or a main character that does not have a name because so often you think you're watching a movie, of course you're gonna know the main character's name. And then afterwards you go to like tell someone about the movie and you're like, yeah, and then when, what's their name? Like, like, like me every week on the podcast when I'm like, oh God, what's that main person's name? Because <laughs> I'm like not paying attention closely enough. And then part, I mean, almost all the way through this movie, I was like, oh my God, I don't know their names. And then the credits were rolling and it was literally guy and girl. And I felt so much better because they didn't actually. I did think like halfway through, they never said the actual names here, but I was thinking more like the waitress and it's always sunny. Yes. Or in Fight Club where the main character like does ne- never gets an actual name. Everyone else does that. I just love that whether it's intentional or unintentional, like it just seems really cool when 
you just it's about the story it's not about yeah it's more about the character versus the name yeah i don't know there's just something cool and endearing to me about that i love it let's let's get into our questions i think we have a lot to talk uh, about but, but quick side note can we talk about this uh is black box um deep deep and dark, dark. cab salve. It does taste different. It is. I know. I took a sip. Did you see my face? I just took a sip and I was like, ooh. I was trying to decide if I like it better. I I don't. It it has more character to it, I think, but it's sweeter. It is. I think it's the sweetness that got me. But it's deep and dark and I I expected it to be. Right. I was, I saw it and was like, we've been drinking the same cab Mm salve. Maybe we should try this. And I don't think I like it. The 2021 deep Deep and and dark dark cab salve. By Black Box. From California, mm-hmm. you know, just the little state of California. Yeah, if I had to rate the run regular black box as a, it's not the same wine scale. I was going to say on our wine scale, yeah. it's a zero. As a, as a as a five, I would rate this one a two point two. It just there's just a character that I don't want to it and sweetness that I don't want to it. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't rate call it. Deep it, it has like a chocolate taste to it though. Mm-hmm. I would call it different and sweet. <laughs> Sorry, Black Box. We do love you. We do drink a lot of and Black honestly, Box. Honestly, if I saw like a wine that just like labeled like the description as like different, and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to try it. But I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, this was the box was open, right? When you poured it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I had a glass of this the other night. It was not, it was fine when I drank it the other night. I swear drinking these like really good winery wines Changes and then the having this Black Box, it is a different experience because I totally drank this the other day. And I didn't notice it at all. Mm-hmm. But going from something that is like very, very crafted to this, mm-hmm. it's like, oh. Yeah, we needed like a, a shot of like a uh, a uh, Moscato before that to make this <laughs> seem a lot less sweet. That sounds horrible. <laughs> Let's move into our questions. Yeah. So the movie description. Um, oh God, I forgot about Pair of part. star-crossed lovers. Um, it's like a, a guy and a girl, both musically inclined meet working on the streets not that kind of work on the streets in ireland um and bond over their love of music and their music musical talents um they have kind of a um not mixed signals but like bad timing almost like relationship of love, love and end up parting ways at the end to go back to their original Paths. lovers uh yeah the original original lives and just kind of met up for that fleeting moment well done. According to the TV, a vacuum repairman moonlights as a street musician and hopes for his big break. One day, a Czech immigrant who earns a living selling flowers approaches him with the news that she is also an aspiring singer-songwriter. The pair decide to collaborate, and the songs they compose reflect the story of their blossoming love. I give that rating an F+. Plus. <laughs> I, don't, I wouldn't say F+. Plus. Probably, like, I would say D+. Plus. That's someone who just, like... Um, Fast forwarded through it. They watched yeah. the first three minutes and watched the last three minutes. Fast forwarded through the rest of it and decided to write a quick description. No, I like my description better. I, I definitely like For yours once. better. No pun intended. <laughs> I think real for this week is me just like rolling my eyes once, at once, you. Once, 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 every once, time, once, every time you make a once <laughs> joke, it's just going to be them cut together. Was the movie what you expected? Yes. My first note, I'm, I'm going to have no notes <laughs> to it, but I mean, it's him. The, the movie starts and it's guy on the street playing his guitar. Like it's a very mm-hmm. European looking street. And I was like, this is what I remember. It's like that, like very, I mean, the, the streets in Europe are so mm-hmm. different than the streets in America that you just automatically know that it's somewhere in Europe and just like the, the raw musician talent 
and the guitar is mm-hmm. like what I know of this movie. I like I definitely know that it like romanticizes the like street performer lifestyle and, and all that. But it definitely there's something like really endearing to that small like little Irish town and mm-hmm. the But it, it's almost like Ted Lasso too, like that small mm-hmm. like side street that that Ted lives on mm-hmm. and th- there's just something that feels so like cozy mm-hmm. about that. And even like I mean like you said the vacuum shop would give me some serious anxiety because it's very so claustrophobic. Small, but, the suit shop too. but but just like everything there is like this like cozy tight fitting cozy is a way to put it so it seemed claustrophobic in the shops the houses some seemed a bit more i mean not her house but some of the places seemed a bit more cozy than others mm-hmm. and it, it did seem to like i said romanticize it the same way that i think a lot of movies about uh like new york city also tend to romanticize a lot of things of like rent of like living in you know not being new able york to city your, is your, not my place no thank you then, yeah is this still under what, what we expected? Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it, it was what I expected having seen it before. I'd kind of forgotten the second half of it and it, it did kind of like drag on a bit towards the second half of what they were getting at and just kind of playing more of their songs and recording a, a album, which I did remember later. But overall, yeah, what I, what I expected. Um, I didn't see anything that would warrant an R rating though. I totally forgot that it was that, that yeah. was something we were supposed to watch for. Oh no! I I kind of yeah. forgot to watch through that. There is absolutely nothing. I mean, I don't know why this couldn't have been a PG thirteen. Maybe or PG. Either. Honestly, PG. Yeah. Maybe like language a little bit. There was beer. That, that song that she f- fucked it up. There was like three cuss words. Yeah. Um. There was uh. Some yeah. Beer, definitely not smoking, R. We'll have to. Cuba. I'm gonna deep dive for next week. Is why someone yeah. felt this needed to be rated R. Mm-hmm. Definitely PG thirteen, no if nudity, not PG. Not really even in kissing, but that's like a kiss on the cheek. Yeah. Um. No sexual. Yeah. Anything. I mean, he did like ask her to stay, but mm-hmm. that could be if you're not looking for it as a aka as a child, you wouldn't pick up on that. Yeah. Easily PG thirteen. You could make even a case almost for PG in in a, in a yeah. lot of ways. I don't really see. There was the, more. The F-word. You cut the F word out and you could go PG. There was more sexual innuendo in hairspray that was PG last week mm-hmm. than this. Yeah, I I do not get that. Um, but anyways, anyways uh, how well did it age? Thought it aged just fine. Um, if you think of it more as a period piece of, I was going to say that, yeah. but this to me felt though the least like a period piece, mm-hmm. like. It's telling the story and it happens to be in 2007 and like, yes, there's no like iPhones and texting and things, but it's not like, oh, this, this murder that happened by this woman in 1920 or, you know, this, the, the racial tensions of 1960 or, you know, the like, you know, hair and dancing, singing poodle skirts of the 1950s. This was just like, but it wasn't really trying to go for like crazy technology things that would didn't age really well or any crazy special effects that would look bad later. I think the thing that didn't age really well is the fact that it felt like it was shot on like a iPhone almost, even though stick was filmed before iPhones that it, it felt like an indie film, but some of the scenes where you could tell like, okay, you've got no dynamic range in the, the lighting there, but it kind of almost felt like it needed to be, you need to feel like it wasn't filmed on it, a super high high end rig. It was shot exactly how it this, this story yeah. needed to be told. Anything it was more it was that, just so well done. Yeah, anything more than that like if it was filmed like today there'd be a lot more of that dynamic range and like more focus on like the lighting and taking more people out of the scene. This felt like it felt more raw because it seemed like it was just filmed on whatever was around. Mm-hmm. 
and raw was the word that kept coming back to me is this mm-hmm. is just like the authentic story that they are trying to tell and it is wonderful um but the how well did it age i think i'll get into my, my reason for taking off half a point is because he is 18 years older than her i yeah that i had a hard time i mean and i know everybody yeah. is gonna be with who they want to be blah, blah blah like all things it was I, I had a hard time buying into it and that's fine i mean you don't really see that as much on this they the age difference doesn't, doesn't look as apparent when you look at them but he met her when she was 13, 13. yeah Did, were you wikipediaing like I'd, i was wikipediaing no i i'd, I'd run into this before um and it really kind of like tarnishes how i think about this because it's almost like he groomed her and they dated for like three years like a year before this until like a year after this and then broke i think they still technically like perform together sometimes um but it just felt real creepy knowing that like he is 18 years older than her which is fine at some ages when you're really young that is a huge difference yeah 13 plus 18 is 31 she, so she is like two years older than, than we are no but just that math 13 mm-hmm. plus 18 is 31 yeah so like more or less if we met someone at 13 right now mm-hmm. and then like eventually dated them in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's really weird. Um, she is, so she is older uh, than two us. years older than, than we are right now, but also she is still like two years younger than he was when he filmed it. Like mm-hmm. today she is still like younger than he was when he filmed this. And it's been out for a long time, almost 18 years that that's just like really creepy and weird. Yeah, that's tough. That's, it's also, I think, hard because we are only, what, seven months apart in mm-hmm. age that that is weird for us because yeah. for us, we are very close in age. But 18 years is a long time. There's a big generation gap mm-hmm. there. And I think that would, I think that would just, obviously they are not still together now, but so I'm sure some of this tied into this, that just like that's such a, a generation gap mm-hmm. that that, would just create a lot of problems. It'd be very difficult it's, it's more to a generation gap when she was like 13, when he met her and just something about that just seems way off and, and, and wrong to me. And I don't know, like maybe it's not as bad as we seem and like, as it seems that he like, you know, she was 18 when they started dating. It's, it's just still seems like she would have been 18. Maybe when you like admitted that you were dating, but she was still 19. Like, she was 19. I think when the movie was filmed or when they well, started dating in 2006. Mm-hmm. So she would have been 19, they, 18. I think they they say partners from 06 to 09, but that's when I think when she turned 18 and that's probably when they were like, yes, we're dating and we're admitting to it. The fact that he is this old and I'm now 18 and legal. I will say I was a little alarmed when I Googled him and he was 53 currently and I was uh-huh. like, Ugh. and then my brain started doing the math and see how, and it, you know. So that's why I had to dock it at half point because I, I just could not unsee that when I was watching this whole thing, and I I just loved this, this the music or the music, the movie, everything about it. But knowing that just was really hard to stomach. Now knowing that, and I, and I did not know that at the time. I don't think it was as like you know, uh, publicized at the time. But it's just mm, that part did not age well at all for me. Yeah, it's a little it's it's iffy. But it just with the whole age in there. Um, yeah. Uh, could this, movie, could this movie be made today? I think it could be, and I think it could be made pretty well. Yes. I do think that as far as like a film aspect, it would probably be a little bit more overproduced. I think mm-hmm. it's kind of harder to find these kind of raw, we keep using that word. <laughs> I think we're going to keep using that word, the, that kind of just like 
it, we're here for the story, not for the production. Mm-hmm. Aspect. Yeah, I think actually I, I almost want to change my answer that no, it couldn't be made today just because I think movies, if it was made today, it would have been like recorded in the studio versus a lot of these seem like they were recorded like with boom mics on set. On the street. Um, and I just don't think it would feel as raw. It would feel much more pr- overproduced because you it, could get like cinema cameras for a much more reasonably priced than you could then. It would have to be like a true like indie Sundance, whatever. Mm-hmm. Those kind of like film festivals. Shot on iPhone type thing. Yes, type movies. Um, next question. Did they say the title of the movie in the movie? I, I mean, they, they like did. might've offhandedly said it and they not referring to the title of the movie. So it's in the song they play, I think during the credits. Yes. That's that was the only time I noticed it. That's really the only time I noticed it. I don't think they really did. It's been a while since we, I think really definitively did not hear it yeah. in the movie. I mean, it's also hard <laughs> with like the musicals hairspray, mm-hmm. like they're selling hairspray in the movie and they talk about it. Rent. There's a whole song about rent. Mm-hmm. Chicago. They're like oh, living physically in Chicago and they talk about it. That That's Chicago. Well, I think this one, it, they had the song, but it was in the credits. But what also is really hard is their thick accents, their Irish accents or God. Czech or whatever. Like Praise be to the to the close caption. Yeah, the, the subtitles definitely made it possible to understand. I, I've watched this several times. This is the first time I watched it with subtitles and I feel like I watched a new movie. <laughs> Knowing what was actually being said or supposedly mm-hmm. was meant to be said, way different and much, much more um, easily processed, at least. Uh, were there any, any actors that wanted to do bigger things? Not at all, really? Nope. I mean, they're still performing today, but I don't think you could say they went nope. on to bigger things. I think this was probably the peak of a lot of their career, and there were no other actors that like made yep. cameos or anything. It was very small. Pretty small cast. cast and crew. Uh, what impact do you think the movie had on pop culture? I don't really think it had a big one. I mean, it's not like this was a crazy phenomenon. Mm-hmm. I know some of the songs before I knew the movie. So like there was a little bit of that, but it was definitely like a big movie at the time. And this was like a, a big era, I think for musicals as we saw, there was another one Very big true. one we watched in this year. I do remember it winning um, at like the Academy Awards or something for like best musical. And, I still have this memory of watching it and being so excited that they won and they walk up and Glenn and Marquetta, Marquita, Marquetta, walk up and Glenn just takes the trophy and goes, tanks and walks off. And I'm like, that's very memorable. Like he (laughs) didn't give like a big speech or anything like that. And I think like they felt bad. And I want to say they invited her back up to like give like a small blurb, like a minute or two later because Ooh, she, she deep dive for next week she basically just like got no chance to like say anything i don't know if she meant to but i remember him like just basically going thanks and then walking off and being like that's how they should do all these awards instead of like this big over the process of over the top process of like let me thank five million people that have been tangentially related in my entire life that like you know no one really cares about but it matters to them type thing um was just really interesting, interesting. i definitely want to look into that mm-hmm. that's that's a super interesting so it definitely won some awards and like was a big movie but i don't think it really fully impacted pop culture as much as other musicals movies that we've watched mm-hmm. especially i feel like you know like the chicago and the music man and hairspray were like these are a bunch of big name actors and we are getting them to mm-hmm. recreate this movie or this musical that's been around for a long time and we're gonna like bring it back into hype mm-hmm. and this was just like some people that wanted to sing some songs and make a movie. Maybe that was only made once. Um, do you feel cultured after watching it? 
No. Yeah, I think this the, for the same reasons that we just kind of mentioned. I'll say a little bit because I do feel like it's very 2007. Just so much of like, could this be made today? We kind of talked about probably not. Like a lot of the the fashion and the the technology and how it looked mm-hmm. is it, it feels very much to that very mid to early 2000s time period. As far yeah. as like general pop culture, movie pop culture, not as much, but I, I'll give it a little bit, but. And I think honestly, you, you, you sway me. I think, I, I think yes, because when you think of movies like, um, like the eighties movies and like say anything and those kind of things where like you think of movies that people watched in like the, the Brat Pack in like the eighties, you think of like people in like the early two thousands watching like American pie and a bunch of like the early thousands type type movies. This obviously kind of being one of them. I think this was a certain era of like, that you if you were in like high school and you were like you were watching movies like you everyone kind of saw this and was you know, like loved this movie and it was a big thing at that time that if you want to go back and you want to experience like that time period like you said 2007 a very narrow time period you kind of had to see this to feel like you mm-hmm. can relate to that time period yeah and i i think it would be interesting to watch something like this with our kids when they're older being born in in the 2020s mm-hmm. and watching this and being like why didn't they just text each other or like so much of that stuff that we are so used to now in the 2020s that we're not around in 2007. I mean, I, even I kept thinking like, do they not exchange phone numbers? And then at the end, his, her mom's like, we don't have a phone. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you don't even have a phone. What mm-hmm. is this? And she's like, yeah, I'll come by later. And there's no like texting or anything like that. There's and like uh, bring your, bring your, uh, your, your vacuum over like later. And like, there's, there's nothing of that of like, Oh yeah, let me go ahead and like drop a pin. It's, it's all just, Oh yeah, just, you'll just, I'll just find you on the street. Yeah. Some time period, you know, an eight hour time period. Just find me at some time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very. So again, I, I, we need to go back and watch this with our kids when they're older. Mm -hmm. Just, just from a, like, how do you perceive this being a kid Mm -hmm. in the 2020s watching this? They feel the same way that we did watching some of our film noir movies of like, oh my God, she just went all the way to San Francisco and like didn't call her or call her sibling before she went all right. the way there um culture night 2.0 we're gonna do a re reimagined version of this when our children are older mm-hmm. and we're gonna go watch well maybe we'll start from the beginning and we'll watch all the movies again with our kids Ooh. and get their perspective because mm-hmm. i feel like that would be very interesting which is weird because one of them literally can't even talk and yet we'll be like huge like <laughs> podcast celebrities so it'll be like do they go into bigger do bigger things and we'll be like yeah we went on to do bigger things i don't know about these actors but like we're big time i really love your optimism celebs. you're so great i mean we've gone viral we've got like 300 followers so pretty big on instagram <laughs> yeah. uh, all right i will go first with my notes sure. because you went first last week okay so uh, my first note was it was exactly what i remembered the the european street vibe the raw music guitar. Mm-hmm. That was my memory of this. The actual story, no clue. But the vibe of the of this show from the first scene, I was like, yes, this is what I remember. And like to, to that point and to like the whole like almost like romanticizing like those like small like villages and it being seen like seeing seeing perfect and amazing compared to our normal life. And like we kind of talked about how I'm sure like American life of like living in New York city is also romanticized. I did have a, a note about how like immigrant culture also seemed like it was almost romanticized here. Where it's like, Oh, we live in this apartment. And like, she talks to all the people like just hanging out outside of her uh, apartment. And then a bunch of the neighbors just like walk in and come in, like sit in front of our TV. And it's like, Oh, that's so cool. Like, and you know, they've got like friends that do that. And I just imagine like the same thing being taking place in America and everyone being like, yeah, it's real sketchy mm-hmm. and real dark. And like, I'm yeah. sure it probably also is sketchy and dark in the same situation in Europe as well, not being romanticized as a movie. 
I agree. Definitely. I, I really love that you've brought the word romanticized into this because a mm-hmm. lot of this story, when you take a deep breath and take mm-hmm. a step back, it's like, okay, this is definitely a, a one-off case, a mm-hmm. once in a lifetime story not everybody that's singing on the street is going to experience this funny enough the romance was the one thing that was not romanticized yes that was the most realistic thing Mm -hmm. and i loved that there you go this guy just like comes on to you randomly you're like yep nope okay never mind got weird yeah you know me i'm a hard out on anybody any random stranger talking Mm -hmm. to me but i think so much of hollywood and the movies and books and all the media we consume is like oh my gosh i don't like him I don't like her like Mm -hmm. this thing. And then we fall in love at the end and it's all perfect. The end. Mm -hmm. I, I I read slash listen to a lot of romance books Mm -hmm. and it's all just like wrapped up in a little perfect package at the end. And yeah, that's what I want because I'm just listening to it for like background noise. But I like that this was more realistic as a, I felt like I was set up for failure as a child from just reading these like books where everything ends up happy that Mm -hmm. to like have something that's like, Oh man, things don't always work out. Or just things of like guy meets girl, guys overly forward, they like bang and like it, it works out and it's not like super cringy or creepy. This was like, he kind of like made a, made a, um, a move and it was like, nope, not at all. And it was really awkward. Like it would be hopefully in real life. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very well played out. Mm-hmm. Very well done. My next note is girl could have been played by Anna Kendrick. In a remake. But you yeah, say remake? An, an American version? Yes. Yes. American version of this is Anna Kendrick. But Anna Kendrick is three years older than her. So not remake. Like, honestly, like looking at the um, her from on the right hand side yep. there from like the cover, see it. Within the first five minutes of her being on screen, I was like, mm-hmm. that's Anna Kendrick. And I could not see it. And it was honestly a little unsettling and kind mm-hmm. of ruined it a little bit because that was all I could think about the whole yeah. time. I but even, But also with just like how, like not even in looks check Anna Kendrick I should say and Anna Kendrick is also a good singer but I think she's also kind of like like a little bit bold but a little bit awkward kind of character too Mm -hmm. that I I I just felt so much similarities between the two of them Mm -hmm. that I couldn't see it once I yeah she was definitely very bold yes and I loved that because I'm not that but I think I loved that she kind of modeled the I can say what I think and be okay with that and not being worried about like what you're going to think of me or if you're going to judge me or mm-hmm. if you're, if I'm saying, if I'm being too forward, it's like, no, I don't, I don't want to do this or this is just how it is. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Yep. Loved that. Okay. Falling slowly. First of all, beautiful song. Love the harmonies. Love, just love that song. Mm-hmm. Beautifully done. But the scene where he's like, okay, as, you know, it starts like this. And then it goes like this. You got it. You got it. Okay. And then they just, without rehearsing ever, like, play through the that, whole song. Is that something people can do? Like if you're just like really musically talented, right. something you just do. That, um, that's what I sat there wondering the whole time is like, I am not one of those people that could just, oh, I've never heard you sing the song. Mm-hmm. And you have some words written here and you're just kind of playing music and you've kind of played some little notes for me and I can just harmonize with you. First shot, mm-hmm. one shot, one kill. What? Like what? To, my brain does not work like that. Right off, right up the bat. Like I, I play piano, I play guitar, I play trumpet. I can't do that for any of the instruments. I know you yes. play piano too. I can't imagine like sitting down. I could maybe work it out of piano if I like thought a while, and I'd probably be maybe off key if anything for it. That that to me, it's like I, I don't know if that's realistic or not because I just feel like I can't imagine doing that. But it doesn't mean people can't do that. So I will say I was listening to 
office ladies. I've mentioned it before. I'm obsessed with it. And they were doing an interview with Billie Eilish and she is like a big office fan. Mm -hmm. And she was saying something about her like music process or something. And either Angela or Jenna was like, oh, do you just like think in songs? And she was like, you guys don't think in like musical like, and I can't mm-hmm. remember the exact quote, but it was something like, oh man, like in my brain clicked mm-hmm. and was like, people just think there are certain people that think differently. And I think very, very musically inclined people mm-hmm. can just do those things. Yeah, I guess. I mean, the same way that like you were able to like imagine our house as we were building it and those kind of things. It's like some people just can do that. Some people just can't do that. And it's part of it. I think maybe is some people can learn that. And some people just can't learn that too, mm-hmm. which makes it even more frustrating where it's like some people are just naturally born with it. Some people can get to that point and everyone else is just kind of like, nope, just never going to Good click. on you, but not for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I believe that people can do that. It's just so hard for me to buy into as mm-hmm. someone that like, I can carry a tune. Am I an amazing singer? No, but like I can harmonize sometimes but I could not just sit down and just do that. Yeah. Absolutely not. But yeah. but, but it's amazing. Like, and I am just in awe. And I, if I could have anything in life, it would be to be just this incredible singer, piano player that could mm-hmm. just, that could just do. Yeah. Step into a jam session and yep. just like match just what they're do doing that. and kind of, yeah. My, my next note, speaking of office ladies, is the office. I felt like this had some maybe more British office vibes, but what the American office was going for, even just in the, like the first season where they mm-hmm. casted people who were not big, big names. They were just everyday people. And these were everyday people. Even like the backup band was just everyday people. There was mm-hmm. no one who was like this beautiful, perfect person. Like, and I think that's what makes the British office and the American office and this like something that's so beloved because it's not just these, like, especially like hairspray with Amanda Bynes, who was such a big name at the time, and Zac Efron, and Queen Latifah, and John mm-hmm. Travolta, like, these big-named, like, wonderful people, whereas this was just, like, this is someone that I can imagine being, like, I can I can put myself in the story and be like, okay, I can see it. Because a lot of times they do, like, indie films, but they still put, like, big names in them, and, like, you're kind of watching, and you're like, okay, I'm watching, like, John Travolta in this indie film, or, like, you know, the, the name, and sometimes you can kind of forget about that, but with this one, it's so nice when there's just, it's not any... Mm-hmm. you know big actor on any role in this and even just how it was shot too from a film perspective mm-hmm. of it wasn't super high quality it was kind of where like looking for the shot not pre-planned of you know get to this mark and be here and mm-hmm. move your body like this it felt very we've said it before raw and just like we're capturing what what's going on and you felt more like you were actually there as opposed to you're on a set somewhere or you're on like some you know over-engineered like soundstage to, to think they did choreography for five weeks before yeah. the filming even started it, it and like, i at that party like you felt like you were at that party mm-hmm, watching that mm-hmm. and i uh, i loved that and i think that you know that the office is what i mm-hmm. <laughs> used for comparison but that is what bumped my score up into the sixes was that just like natural element to the whole story mm-hmm. from the storytelling to the casting to all of that obviously glenn and marquetta wrote it together Mm-hmm. but I don't know. It just, it felt so much more believable. Yeah, for sure. And my next one, I think I've kind of already said this is just how much of a hard pivot this was from last week. And just all the ones we've seen where mm-hmm. it's been very produced from the, the outfits and I mean, especially like hairspray, like mm-hmm. the hair, everybody had a wig on and they had these very beautiful, colorful dresses and the sets were way overdone and everything was choreographed and, 
which is amazing and super fun and like lively. But this was just people on the street <laughs> just telling their story. Well, this felt a lot closer in a way to Singing in the Rain, which feels like it was like a year ago. That was this season. <laughs> um, where it felt more yeah. like there was a soundtrack and there was a story that was made to match it. I don't know if that's necessarily the truth. I don't know if this was like a, a overall story and they wrote songs to it, but it just kind of felt like it was like hopping from song to song and it felt very jarring at first. It kind of more settled into a bit more of like excuses for having this song later, but it, it felt very much like a, like here's this song. We're gonna have a little bit of storyline and then we're to this song, a little bit of storyline. And it felt more um, trying to fit a story to that versus having a story and having a bunch of like, music they kind of push the story forward or songs to or tell the, the story. story yeah mm-hmm. i agree it was definitely the music was stuff that like he had written mm-hmm. I say that in air quotes like this guy was wrote wrote these songs and they just kind of plucked them in as they were telling the story mm-hmm. um well I, I had a note that this reminded me in a way of bohemian rhapsody where it was almost like a little bit of um exposition exposition to set up like how a song came together or why they made a song. So a lot of times it would seem like they were like, let me write this song or how do you come with the lyrics to this or we can work together on it. And it felt similar to how they, the, the movie Bohemian Rhapsody where it was Queen, but they were telling the background almost to some of the stories. I don't know how like accurate those were. but it, Someday we'll, we'll watch that for Culture Night Pod because I love that movie. <laughs> 100%. Absolutely love that. Um, but it just kind of felt like it was more some exposition as an excuse to have a story versus it pushing the story together. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm trying to think of that like list of mu- musicals, types of musicals that you had from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, and this is definitely different like ju- from- Jukebox one maybe is what this one was. Maybe where it seemed like it was a bunch of songs. I could not even tell you. Around it. Yeah, we, we didn't do as good job with the How Noir Yar branding. I know. For the season. Sorry. <laughs> just, Sorry. It was hard to keep up faith, with. Faithful right. listeners. Okay, and then my last note is every time- that guy was sharing his music mm-hmm. with her, like when they were just like sitting in his bedroom and she was listening or when they were, he was sitting in the kitchen with his dad and just like playing his music. I just, I don't think I could ever do that. It feels like super awkward to like have, like he meets this girl on the street and he's like, come into my home and listen to like, I, it feels like just such this like raw expression mm-hmm. of yourself, like almost being like, here, read my diary. Just go for it. You just have at it. Here, mm-hmm. listen to this song. It, it just feels like such a vulnerable thing to do. And it, it like f- almost felt cringy for me because I just can't, I'm not one of those people that's like, mm-hmm. listen to me perform. That that was something that was just hard for me to imagine. Yeah, that and like everything that I ever like make or create, I want to feel much more polished before I share with literally anyone. Mm-hmm. And even like everything I've ever made or like I've painted most of the rooms in our house and I'm always like, oh, missed a spot there. Or like, mm-hmm. oops, did that there. Like, all everything I've ever made, it's like, I love it and I'm very still proud of it, but I'm always like, oh, I kind of see the imperfections there mm-hmm. that I just feel like something like music would be, I would feel so, I mean, I said vulnerable, like that, that just raw like feeling. to be like, I want to share this with you. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to confidence. You, yeah. I'm going to trust that you're not going to completely like, you know, cut it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I just stress me out to watch those scenes of being mm-hmm. like, I just can't imagine doing that. Um, and I didn't actually write this down, but my last note is just how I loved watching the whole recording scene mm-hmm. and just thinking about that whole process. Cause again, I'm not, I, I love music. Mm-hmm. I am not 
super musically inclined, but just that idea of that whole behind the scenes process and being there till 4am and just like kind of getting that punch drunk, but then like getting this really great take. That's just so awesome. And just all of that. I just, I felt like that was probably a very good way of showing what that's really like. Yeah. And I, it feels similar to the, um, more modern version of like people like you know writing code or like movies that i've seen where people like you know stay up all night like watching like social network you're writing this like writing the facebook like overnight staying up like drinking beers and you know pounding out code it felt very much similar to that for like my lifestyle <laughs> that i was like yeah i just love those days where you're just like you get in the groove and you're just like crushing through it and you don't care if it's like the middle of the night or anything like that you were just you're you're in that creative flow and it just you, I, you keep going i was gonna say i feel like that's almost like a part of the creative process mm-hmm. i mean how many like all of our trip videos that I stayed up until midnight mm-hmm. plus editing. And I mean, the times younger, like painting things that just like went late into the night. I think mm-hmm. something that like when you're in that zone and you're going, you just, you keep going yeah. and you don't stop. And I think that's why it's like you rent that out for the weekend because it's not like something you can just have like on a nine to five, like when creativity hits and things feel right, like they just feel right and trying to be like, Oh yeah, you're only going to be creative from like 9am to 5pm. Like just to, that's awesome. That works. You're and I feel like that's something that's so beautiful from 5 p.m. till 9 a.m. <laughs> Very true. All right. So that's my notes. Cool. Um, I will jump into mine. Uh, first one is that like right off the bat, just understand the, the great dialogue in this. Um, just the the back and forths, even from the, the very beginning chase of running down the guy trying to steal his uh, his money and like just the back and forth they had from them. It was great dialogue, but just so hard to understand that i'm glad we had the, the subtitles there thank god uh we talked about it being a soundtrack movie or jukebox whatever already um so you said you got anna kendrick vibes i got luna lovegood vibes from marketa right off the bat just the way that she like kind of cut through and said things but still kind of seemed like slightly aloof i see it and slightly like, not necessarily like unaware but just you know skirting like general norms of how to talk and how to do things yes i i think it's a good hybrid mm-hmm. of both yeah if anna kendrick and luna love good like melded together that's just what you get. melted into one yeah uh i think we already talked about wishing that we were able to just like pick up a song like that working with someone and being like oh yeah you play this okay i'm gonna let me get the whole harmony and i'm mm-hmm. sure there are people that can do that but and even like the street blank the street band mm-hmm. that was like you get you want to play with me next weekend, and they're mm-hmm. able to just record this whole album worth of songs. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. What even over the course of like a couple of days, it seems like a lot to kind of pick up and get on the vibe with someone like that. But I guess if you're a street performer, you're used to kind of just winging it. Mm-hmm. But so crazy. Um, his guitar had like a huge hole in it. It bothered me the whole time. Like, does that not b- affect the sound? Just having this huge That's hole what I next too. to the main hole of the guitar. I've never played guitar in my life. Mm-hmm. I don't really know how that would affect it because i have not personally played it but it, it just seemed like a problem to me yeah and like with that whole keep growing wouldn't you like want to take a lot more care care of it he's like running down the street after playing it and like hands it to someone while he chases right? like the guy stealing that his made money. me so nervous yeah. like is he gonna get it back is he gonna lose right. his guitar and then he keeps talking to this guy in the park and it seems like he knows him and i'm like okay that's weird first of all and then he's just like left his guitar with this person and you're just like still chatting with this guy in the park. I'd be like, I, if this is part of my livelihood is my guitar, mm-hmm. I wouldn't just leave it with a rando. I would be hurrying back to get it. Yeah. Crazy. Like just, I still feel like it would have affected the sound or like the splinters would have grown. you like that patch. Thank somehow. you for making a note of that because I definitely was worried about it the entire movie. 
Um, what I was more worried about was his mouth is so small. You pointed that out early on. And then the more I watched it, I was like, how does any sound come out of there? Yeah. He, he was singing like, like so strongly too, especially in the beginning with so much emotion. And I'm like, his mouth is like the size of like, uh, how can one, that much one inch round? How can that much volume? Like max, it's one inch round. And he's like, as he's moving his mouth, it's less than that. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't um, understand how that, how that's. And I mean, like you said, he's like yelling in some mm-hmm. of the songs, which like fit the songs so well, but I'm like, I don't understand. I don't know. How is that? I think there's some people where happening? it's like their mouth just looks really small because they have a beard, but like his just mouth just seems small. And he, yes, he had some scruff, but it's like a really small mouth. So I noticed like partway through, maybe like a third of the way through that he talks through his music. He's telling his feelings like through his, his songs of like how he's feeling, what he's going through. And he can't talk outside of that. Like when he's on the bus, he has to be playing that song like the Hoover fixer sucker guy. And like when he's like saying like all those things, it has to be through music. And she does not, she cuts straight through when she's talking. She's very direct, but she won't talk about anything about her like husband or her life. She completely shuts that down except through song as well. Mm-hmm. Like but even once the once the song got to the once. too emotional. Sorry. Once. Once the song. When that song mm-hmm. got too emotional, she just shut down and stopped. That I think she very much is a, mm-hmm. I can't even express it. Yeah. And she, I think, has to keep like moving forward, keep pushing forward and doesn't want to stop and like focus on her. She very much. But I also think that's like hashtag mom life (laughs) is that you can't stop to think about the Mm -hmm. emotional stuff a lot of the time because it's like, I need to do this and I need to do this and I need to be like this for my kids. Kid. Um, But one thing, so you mentioned the title again, and I don't think we um, mentioned in the questionnaire of does the title fit the movie? I was waiting for that question to come up. We totally skipped that. Because I, I had some. Oh, I have I have total thoughts on that. God, we're so dumb. Titles, yes, I mean, totally. Unfortunately, skipped that one. So, one does the title fit the movie? I think it does. It does. For sure. I love it. I mm-hmm. think it's great. I wouldn't change it. I, you said you had alternates. I love it. I have a couple, but I still feel like once was the best, especially because we talked about these recent movies of like Chicago, Hairspray, Rent, like just like really. It's like I will say word. it's really punchy to have Oklahoma, that one. Like all these movies have just like one word. Yeah. But I just love it. I mm-hmm. love I love once as the title. The more I watched it, I was like, mm-hmm. yep. It makes sense. It's like this fleeting moment of time where they were like together, but like he's going back to London. She's like moving on with her husband. Mm-hmm. Like this. And the fact that they don't end up together. Mm-hmm. I love that. I mm-hmm. love it. I mean, obviously everybody wants everybody in any kind of romantical situation mm-hmm. to end up together. But I think because they don't end up together, it was just this once in a lifetime passing of ships. Amazing. I and, love and it. And it makes it more satisfying for like every other love story when you know that they don't always end up together. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Um, love it. Alternate titles that I had was um, for the love of music because they definitely were bonding mm-hmm. over the music. It didn't seem as, as strong. And then like something like offbeat or out of sync because it seemed like they were like just not quite in sync musically and like mm-hmm. they, it didn't seem like their life time like matched up just right otherwise they could have been i think if out of sync sounded as had the, had the same flow yeah. as in sync mm-hmm. that would have been a great title because they were they were in different places but they mm-hmm. did meet up just right that one time and then they had to continue to be mm-hmm. in their own places yeah um, but otherwise, like, how did we not talk about the title of this movie? I, I, feel I was so looking stupid. forward to the whole time thinking, like, me too. The whole time, be like, oh, what other titles could I could I come up with? And yeah, I um, and just watching it, I was like, this is 
the title for the movie. 100% fits. 100%. Um, this I is, like I it feel like, than my alternatives. I feel the most satisfied by the title of this movie than I have for one in a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. long. I don't even, I can't even think of one where I feel more satisfied than this one. Like, Despite the fact they didn't even say the title as far as we know in the movie. And hey, that's okay. You love the title of the movie thing more than mm-hmm. I do. Um, we talked about how they kind of romanticize like immigrant culture and just like how different it is there versus how it's kind of portrayed a lot of times like in America at least. Um, so I thought that the bank loan guy, um, I thought that scene was really funny than like mm-hmm. playing music, but I also thought that whole job of like being a bank loan person, I don't know if it's like that anymore today. It feels like fewer people are doing that, like going to a bank, it's more like online applying for just straight up money versus anything. Um, it feels like a, a worse version of Shark Tank. Cause I imagine you get so many people that are like, have such stupid business ideas that come into a bank and they're like, yeah, dude, look at this. I got this great business idea. It's, it's poor man's Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. And it's gotta be so awful to be like, your business idea is so stupid. But if like, if you- And, and but also to have that weight on your shoulders anyways of like, mm-hmm. yes, I believe in you. I'm gonna give you money. Like that mm-hmm. feels like a big, a big job. Yeah, and it's more like, are you going to pay me back if it screws up? But also think about people that, like, feel dumb, be like, oh, I was a bank guy, and I totally passed on, like, funding, like, Microsoft when they were, like, a small, like, fledgling, stupid idea in my mind, but it ended up being huge. Um, but it, I just thought it, like, seemed like a really, it'd be really fun if it wasn't, like, um, yeah, but, like, betting all of my small bank's money on this person. If you're into gambling, I think being a bank mm-hmm. loan person yeah. is the job like, for you. If you don't care if your like bank goes under and be like, yeah, this guy seems like a good good idea. I'm going to go ahead and it's only like $1,500 this guy needed like or $2,000 the guy needed. Yeah. It's not a huge, huge deal, but still, um, I just thought of it like a really crappy. But several $2,000 people a day, a week, a month, a year. Yeah. How many times up. do you get people coming in asking for stupid business loans? Next note being, how the fuck do you operate that guy's switchboard? The, we're in the recording studio and he's got 10,000 dials on that. And he's like, he's listening on. He's like, yeah. And it reaches for like one very specific one in dials. And I'm like, we've got like five on this one, on this Roadcaster Pro. And I'm like, how do you know which of those millions to possibly dial up right and now? And at the end of their recording session, guy's like, oh, thank you for everything. And he's like, oh, I just pressed the buttons. And I'm like, you pressed a lot of buttons. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. And you knew which buttons to yeah. press. And Not you, only did you just press buttons, you pressed the right buttons. And you turned dials. That's a lot more than just pressing a button. That's and, more than just one or two. And zero. slid some um, yeah. things. Sliders, like, uh, yeah, sliders, dials, sliders, sliders, sliders. Sounds right. I, um, I, I feel really proud of myself that I can operate this mm-hmm. very... And we're only using two and a half of these yeah, dials. I, I pressed the record button. The fact that I can get the sound effects to go at the right time. Mm. I always forget to turn the volume up on them like... I, I am not one of those people yeah. that I just look at that giant. I mean, it's a big mm-hmm. board with, I mean, I would love to know how many buttons is truly on like the, the standard sound mixer mm-hmm. board. And also it's gotta like, be a thousand. How much of that could now be replaced by what we have like 18 years later, 16 True. years later of like all the dials and everything. It's mostly controlled by like software. And then you've got a couple of dials to like kind of dial things in and up. Um, Absolutely crazy. crazy. Um, and the last note I had was that this felt like Bohemian Rhapsody, but a little bit more rushed because there wasn't more as much background. Timeline. Yeah, condensed timeline because there wasn't as much background and like a whole career's worth of songs. This was just kind of like an, an album. With a it wasn't Queen. It was just yeah. this guy on the street in Ireland. Yeah. Just the Hoover <laughs> fixer sucker guy. But yeah, that was, that was once. And uh, I... Will not see it just once. Yeah. 
I've now seen it twice. I really liked the movie. I still very much like can't unsee the age difference and just the creepiness there. But otherwise, love the whole story and the music and all that. Yes, I. Uh, it was weird for me. I don't think it bothers me quite as much as you. Mm-hmm. I don't love it, but I was not there. It's not my story to tell. But this movie, man, I liked it way more than I thought I was going to. Mm-hmm. And even the Rotten Tomatoes and the score on the TV were pretty high, 7.4, mm-hmm. I think. And I mean, it's hard to find like real fault with it besides obviously 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, that, you know, very like good story, had a great flow, especially for the first half. And then the second half, it wasn't as fast paced, but it still had good like, you know, mm-hmm. um, continuity through the whole thing. And I feel like this is also makes a case for, yes, they don't end up in the e- together in the end, but I still feel so satisfied by the movie that like mm-hmm. that it, it it feels like a oh this is just how life is kind of thing, and we don't get that a lot with movies and TV, and I think we should have that more mm-hmm. because I, I love think we're this. seeing a lot more of that of like realistic relationships in movies. Yes, that- and in books. I mean, I've I listen to a lot of books, and I I find that things feel more realistic and less like oh, that's exactly what I wanted him to say in this situation. Or mm-hmm. like, it, it feels a little bit more authentic, which I really love. Yeah, for sure. So that was once. It was great. Mm-hmm. If you are enjoying the podcast, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. If you are watching us on YouTube, thank you for spending that time watching us talk mm-hmm. to each other. And you can subscribe on our YouTube channel and give, thumbs up. give this video a like. Leave a comment about what you're liking, what you want to see more mm-hmm. of. If you want to see some behind the scenes stuff, watch our funny reels because we're so silly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can follow us on Instagram at Culture Night Pod. Also on, on YouTube, we share the reels as shorts on YouTube. And uh, jo- tune in next week to see what our, I believe, season finale, season finale. of season three will be. Mm-hmm. And uh, catch you next week. Yep. So one last. Cheers. Cheers. See you next time.